I'm very excited about today's episode as I get to share with you an amazing conversation I had with the actor, writer, director, Justin Chan. We're going to be talking about his film, Blue Bayou, which comes out this week. And I'm very excited for you all to see it so we can talk about it. So please see it. Let me know. Let's discuss. Blue Bayou was an official selection of the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. It's a moving and timely story of a uniquely American family fighting for their future. Antonio LeBlanc, played by Justin Chan, is a Korean adoptee raised in a small town in the Louisiana Bayou. He's married to the love of his life, Kathy, who's played by Alicia Vikander, and is the stepdad to their beloved daughter, Jessie. Struggling to make a better life for his family, he must confront the ghosts of his past when he discovers that he could be deported from the country, from the only country, he has ever called home. I had a chance to see The Blue Bayou, and it's absolutely 100% one of the most incredible films I've ever seen. It's astonishing. Like, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me and incredibly frustrating at the same time that Justin Chan is so damn talented. I find it personally offensive and slightly unfair. After seeing the film, I sat in silence for over an hour just thinking about the story, the world, the characters that Sean had so thoughtfully created, the cast, those exceptional performances, but I kept coming back to Sean and how he did this. How did he do this? I was very grateful that I was going to be able to have a conversation with him so I could learn a little bit about how he was able to pull this off. But what happened for the following days and a couple weeks leading into three weeks is that I sat with this film and I kept thinking about it. Whether I was in the car, I was at home, where I was working, I kept coming back to this film because there's so many different elements of this movie that I'm blown away by. He wrote an incredible script. Then he directed a beautiful film that has a clear point of view. Then, as an actor, he gave us an absolutely sensational performance. And when it was all said and done, surprise, with this meticulous approach and thoughtfulness, he created an absolute masterpiece. So let's talk to him about it. So I watched this movie on Wednesday. I text one of the publicists after watching this movie and I said, I've never had a reaction like I did after, like to any movie, like I did watching this movie. Like wow. ever. I honestly spent the next 24 hours really just thinking about life and thinking about <laughs> my circumstances. And then I spent the next few days like, damn, how did this guy do this? Like, so, I mean, we've got 30 minutes to just dive right on into it. So where did this idea, like, where did, how did the story come to you? I started, I started writing this five years ago and, and, you know, I started hearing through the adoption community that this issue, there was this issue of adoptees being deported these of, you know, loopholes in paperwork. And then I read a, you know, string of like news articles and watched some videos about it. And, and I found out that nobody really was talking about this or knew about this. And it was really kind of being glanced over in the whole immigration policy of it all. And, and um, it was shocking. You know, I just couldn't believe that a, you know, a, a child or a baby can brought from a different country by Americans. And then the U S government allows that. And then 30 years later decides that they're not American citizens because their parents didn't file the proper paperwork. I mean, you know, when you're a child, 
how could you have possibly known that this is an issue? You don't know to look for this. And then, you know, uh, it's the adults' responsibilities that this stuff gets taken care of. You can't put that on, you know, the adult, you know, like it's just, I don't know, like being born in the U.S., I don't know what kind of paperwork happened when I was born or birth certificates and like, you know, and I've lost my birth certificate a few times. Like it's, it's just, you know, ludicrous to me that, that, that this was happening. So I realizing that no one was even knew that this was happening. I, I felt like this, this deep need to share this issue on film. Um, that's where it came from, you know, and it was just a long process of finding a way to tell the story in an, in an effective manner, but like not making it feel like propaganda and telling, you know, just bringing empathy to somebody that was actually going through an experience like this. That was my main goal. Well, you did it. I mean, I, uh, I honestly like I, I've I've every single conversation I've had in the last five days has been around just the, I mean, so many things around you from like, if I could sit here and have a conversation with you for 30 minutes about acting in this movie, I could have a conversation with you directing this movie, I could have a conversation with you writing this movie. And so like, I just don't know how you accomplished it. So you you come up, you find this story, you find something that it really resonates with you. And you're like, I want I want to try to Put a light on this and to your point that's not propaganda i want to tell through the the human elements of it why louisiana why like there's so many elements what made you pick the bayou what has was it there was an idea that you already had that you're kind of marrying or did it was it all kind of coming together yeah you know i think um the big thing for me was was um we see, we've seen the asian american story from new york and los angeles and the coasts what i haven't seen is is you know, representation for, for my community in other places, whether it be Louisiana or I, you know, I have family friends from South Dakota and, you know, you know, um, someone like Stephen Yoon is from Michigan, you know, like we're all over. And, and, and for me, you know, I, another thing was specifically Asian American stories are very limited to one ethnicity. So like one film can only handle with one ethnicity. So it has to be like a Chinese story or a Korean story. And, and rarely do I see just like two ethnicities in one film and how they relate and are similar and are different. So, you know, New Orleans, you know, specifically, you know, there's a huge Vietnamese community there. You know, they came there. A lot of them were relocated there as refugees after the Vietnam War. Um, I dated somebody from New Orleans. Um, so I had an intimate understanding of, of, you know, Louisiana. And, and, um, I always was like, you know, like the film needs to be filmed here about Asian Americans. And then as an adoptee, you know, uh, you know, not me, but like, is, is the adoptee experience, there's a whole encompassing, you know, thing of like, you know, what's it like to be placed somewhere where there's not a lot of people that look like you and, and, and what, what must that be like? And that is the experience for, for some adoptees and rather than, you know, being adopted in LA or New York, I think it's a little different. So the representation of that, I think is quite interesting. You know, the, all, you know, seeing an Asian American with a Louisiana accent can be off putting at first. And then, uh, you know, I put it right in your face, the first scene. And then, and then by 10 minutes in, you forget about it. That's how I think things become normalized, you know, um, is you just have to expose it and then, and then make it not big, make a big, huge, this huge deal about it. And people just accept it, you know? And I think that was a big goal of mine. And then, you know, New Orleans as a whole is such a resilient place, you know, like we just, I mean, they just 
dealt with a hurricane and yet they, they carry on. And that's how I felt Antonio was, you know, he's a survivor, you know, and it's New Orleans is also very, very diverse, but, but very diverse in a different way that Los Angeles is. Those are all factors in placing it in the South and specifically in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, you are, you know, you said that you, you talked about representation and how, when you put these things on screen, they normalize uh, those experiences to the audience. Uh, but the key is they're, when they're done correctly and you, 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 <laughs> you layered in so many elements just so seamlessly. And Louisiana was such a beautiful backdrop for the, the creative tone that you had, like the textures, the colors, the tone of the film visually. Like I want to watch them. Like I almost want to go back and watch it without any sound because it was, it was also, there was a very, the pacing of the camera, the film, like it, it was, it was it, along with the, the performances that you and everybody had came together perfectly. And then it felt normal. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, this movie gives me goosebumps. I, and whenever I think about it, how long did you, you, how long did you write the first draft? Like when you finally felt like you wanted to take it out and share it with somebody in a real business manner, how long did it take for you to get there? Me personally, I'm not scared to just put it out there and get, get feedback right away. Uh, and I'm the type that, um, you know, every script is different, but this particular one, the first draft doesn't resemble this film whatsoever. Um, I just had to get something out that was just whatever my subconscious did. And the, the, the ideas and sort of my subconscious elements are in this film, but in terms of like the structure or the character, like, you know, a lot of it wouldn't, you wouldn't even recognize it. Um, I just had to get something out and just be like, okay, this is what's in my heart. Um, and these are the things that turn me on right now. Then it was about like, okay, what are actually the elements that are important in this film? And how do I, you know, like with the things you're talking about, like the layering of it all and, and getting all these like a myriad of themes and characters, how do I make this all coalesce into something that's cohesive and feels like a film and not just like just things that, excite me, you know, um, um, and that's, you know, through the rewrites, but, um, you know, first and foremost, it was about this experience of an adoptee and what is that like, you know? And so like this, to your point about it being in the South and the colors and, you know, there's something that I have felt that's melancholic when I've kind of spent time alone in the South, uh, being Asian American, that, that really resonated with me and just by you being next to some, you know, um, you know, these, really peaceful, beautiful places that I feel like, uh, you know, speaking to a lot of adoptees, there's a sense of like, who does understand you, who does, you know, shares the same experience you and that melancholy and loneliness that I found the South has at times. Um, so, um, you know, it was just about finding those sort of things and then just finding the spine of, okay, this is about bringing empathy and, and, the process of what would it be like to find out you aren't American, like the government doesn't recognize you as American and dealing with that, that's the spine and then layering everything else on to help you, help you deal with that internally, I think was how I kind of, you know, layered everything. And did you, did that getting that into an outline and into a first draft, did you feel it? Was that like a six months to a year or was that like, pretty quick to your point that you're, you're not afraid to share stuff quickly. Was it like three months? How long did it get you? To, how long did it take to get you there? Yeah. You know, I think, um, three months is right around where I started really sharing it, but, but, uh, I got opinions early on just to get certain, you know, but 
I did work with a, a few adoptees very hand in hand and I was sharing stuff with them very early on. Like just, is this authentic? Does this, is this, does this ring true to you? How, what was your experience like in making sure, because that authenticity was very important to me because this is their story. Uh, and I'm just like the conduit in making sure that I can service them. Um, you know, I spoke with, you know, the, you know, macro, the, the production company, um, about this early on, I said, you know, I don't want to do a treatment or an outline for this. I will do as many drafts as you want. I'll do 20 drafts. If, is, if that's what it takes for you guys to be satisfied, but don't make me do this, the, this two-step, like these step processes, because it's gonna, it's gonna stifle my creativity of what this could be and kind of the free sort of association and flow of what, uh, you know, the way I work. If you make me sort of categorize this and, and vet this for you in that way, it's, I think it's going to limit sort of w- what I can make this from a, just an emotional standpoint. Because then you're making me think about it very logically. And, and, and one thing leads to another, and this is breaking to act two. And can you just let me explore and find this uh, in, a, in an untraditional way? And thankfully, they were open to that and let me do it. Uh, which is why I think this film is what it is, you know, and, and um, it's kind of the way I, I have to approach each film. Each script is it, is, is it can't be this sort of process of like, okay, usually last time I did it like this, but this time it must work for this. It's like, okay, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to end up. And that, that fear of it being shitty, I think it's a really great motivator for me to think deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I love that. I love your approach because if you go through that step process and you start with a treatment and an outline, it starts feeling very formulaic and then it starts getting in your own head where you're like, oh, I need to figure out what I'm going to do the second character before the second. You're finding it in the story and letting the story, you know, dictate it. And if you're down to do a bunch of drafts, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I think like you get into the mode of professional writer mode. Hey, I'm going to give you a draft and I'll give you a poly, a, a, a rewrite and a like that's like the, the Hollywood way, you know, but, uh, I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it for, for, to, 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 to shine a light on this issue. So I'm, I'm not concerned with doing 20 drafts, you know, because I want it to be good. And then, you know, why wouldn't I do that? I'm not doing this as a job. Um, so I think it shows in the film that like, you know, I'm doing to do whatever it, at some point it needs to resemble a film though. So like, you, you know, you have, you know, a, some sort of form of a script at some point, And you're like, okay, I need to make this into a film and it does need to have structure. And these characters do need to serve their purposes, but that I don't want to start doing that till I'm like, I till like you're saying the story kind of starts to lead and tell me what it needs to be in order to, uh, you know, do that spine of bringing empathy. Did you continue to tweak the script while you're in production or was it locked for more or less when you started filming? Yeah. I mean, you know, any, for all my films I, I do, um, I will, I will make changes and, 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 but for this film, um, not so much. I mean, there's things I cut out for sure. You know, there are scenes that I, I it was so painful to cut out, you know, there's a particular scene, uh, two particular scenes that I wish I could have kept. One was Parker, you know, you're seeing kind of maybe behind the curtain of what, how she's dealing with her, her demise, you know, her death. And she goes over on this bridge or this freeway overpass and she sits on the edge of this overpass. She's inconsolable. She's crying really, you know, like crazy. And she's, you know, you can tell she's thinking about maybe I should just end it now. 
And there was a serendipitous thing where all of a sudden fireworks started going off in real life. And I didn't plan that. And it was just like, I just looked at the AD. I was like, is this for real? Is this really happening? And it was so bright. And she was bawling her eyes out and these fireworks were going off. And she's on. And I was just like, I have, this is a gift from God. And I just had to cut it. But it was, it was just not, it just detracted from, from the main, you know, it, it just as emotional as it was just didn't serve the, the, that, that sequence and it felt like tangential, you know, and, and there was another scene like that uh, towards the end with Ace and, and Kathy that was beautiful, beautifully acted between Alicia Vikander and Mark O'Brien. And it was like just an Oscar level scene in terms of the acting, but I just, again, it just like, you know, the pacing of the film. And so those scenes were written and I had to cut and just painful, but, but in terms of the structure and, and, what's on the screen I'd say is relatively what what's written. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I look forward to the director's cut so I can see those scenes. Um, I can't <laughs> imagine how hard it is to cut all that out. Uh, that especially on the bridge, that sounds like a beautiful moment. And well, you know, the, the pace, I think one of the things I kept going back to was the pacing of this film. And I think that again, your ability to be the writer director and, and the actor in it, really like just pulled you through this story where I couldn't tell if this movie was 15 minutes long or 40 minutes long or two hours long because I was so enthralled with every little detail and it just kept me engaged and the pacing of it was so perfect. It never felt fast. It never felt slow. It was just, I mean, really well done, sir. Um, Thank you. Yeah. How did you, I mean, how do you approach, I mean, being in it because I think that just your acting performance alone I mean, is one of the most incredible things I've seen in the last few years. And how did you approach the day? You'd wake up in the morning and you're the director taking care of business decisions and creative decisions. How did you find the time to get into these incredibly powerful roles, uh, you know, when you're having to answer questions and take care of business? Specifically for that, I'm trying to take care of everything that's within my power beforehand. Anything that I could possibly address before the day I'm doing it, you know? So like planning and preparation is, is super important to me if I'm going to act in the thing. Um, you know, I did a lot of rehearsal with the, with my daughter in the film and, and, um, with the other, you know, characters, you know, Alicia, we, we talked in depth about, you know, you know, about everything and, 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 you know, discussed everything we could beforehand so that when we're on the day, we weren't, ta- we weren't debating or trying to figure things out. It's like, let's go, let's do this, you know? And so that helps a lot. And then, you know, I did all the preparation for the acting part. You know, I did all the emotional preparation beforehand and, and, and the, the accent work so that I wasn't thinking about that, you know, and when you're right, you know, acting and directing in something, you know, you kind of, as a performer come last. So because of all that preparation, when I come to set, I'm in service to everybody else. I am not thinking about, what I'm doing as a performer, I'm like, I need for the actors to feel taken care of and confident in, in my vision and also like the, what I need from them. So that comes first. And then I step in and then I, because of the preparation, I just engage and, and I know where I am in the script and, and, and then I'm present, you know? Um, so, you know, like, for example, that scene, the, the, the sort of the one or with Alicia, where we had that big fight in the kitchen, my biggest thing I told myself for that scene is, okay, I've done the work. Uh, let's block the scene out. 
uh, let's see where, where we need to move the camera and, and what's going to make sense logistically. And then it was like, okay, uh, I know the DP, the DPs are, are going to have my back in terms of making sure the co- composition and all that's going to be good. And then I was like, okay, I'm here to, to be present and be completely available to, to Alicia. Um, and let's see where this takes us. So I was completely open to whatever would happen or whatever mistakes. The, the, the one thing the rule was don't break. Like we just have to, we have to, no matter what happens, we have to keep going. So what you're seeing in the film, I think is like the third take, you know, so that was with, but you know, I, I think the actors really appreciated uh, that because I'm there, I'm in it with them. So if I'm asking them to stand under a freezing rain, I'm doing it with them. So there was this sort of trust and camaraderie where, where I'm not asking them to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I think, um, I think that in itself, like creates a sort of like collective, uh, energy that maybe you wouldn't have if you weren't also acting and directing, you know, with your trust with your DP, like when you said that you would roll these takes was the idea that you would do a scene and then just run it right back and just go back to your first mark and do it again. I just go again. I, I never watch playback. Wow. I never watch playback, especially if I'm in it, because if there's any doubt, let's just do it again. Let's not waste the time. Because watching a take is, is the same amount of time that it takes to do a take, you know, and, and let's just go again. And, and the other thing is any adjustments we need to make, like we're, we make the adjustments right away. You go, Hey, you know, maybe you came a little too far here. Um, you know, how did that look? Like, did you, was a framing? Did could you, could you get both of us in the frame? Well, then maybe I should just move a little bit forward, you know, in this moment. And then we go again, we just like, okay, let's, let's keep this momentum going. I'm, I'm a big, uh, advocate of momentum while shooting. It's like, I don't want things to get stale. I don't want it to feel over overplayed. You know, you gotta, I call it riding the lightning. Um, and you just, you, you gotta stay in the moment and, 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 you know, because I, I also feel like, you know, Alicia really feels that this is that actors are like thoroughbreds. You have a window, especially for these emotional scenes. You can't like, you can, but like, it's probably not the best thing to do is run these emotional scenes, you know, for hours. It's like, okay, you have like the, the, the sweet spot. So you're trying to ride that sort of wave. Um, so like the, the momentum is important. So I'm not, I'm not trying to over intellectualize things. I'm trying to, you know, really feel it out. And then we just, we just go, um, you know, because there are other times, you know, when you're watching dailies with your DP or, or you're, you're kind of, I do rolling edits where I'm editing as I'm, as I'm directing, those are times where you can reflect, but like if you've done your preparation and you have common understanding with everybody that's making the film with you, let's just go. Like, let's trust that we've done the work and, and trust ourselves you have a very confident point of view that it is the right point of view. Have you always had that confidence with these decisions or did that take time for you to craft? Oh, absolutely. It took time to craft. And it's just like, you know, ultimately comes down to what matters to me in storytelling. Um, so I'll always take performance over, you know, technical or composition. And that drives my, my TV fucking crazy. <laughs> because I'll just be like, let's go. And then he knows, he knows that if a performance is really great in a certain take, I'm going to use it even if it's part of it soft or, you know, and that drives him absolutely nuts, which makes him sometimes like not let me roll if it's, you know, so like, you know, but then ultimately like, what are we like, what's the purpose of the thing is what, what are we watching? Of course, like all that stuff is important. And I am also like, you know, get, get, get completely fixated on certain things, but you know, I think like it comes down to what matters 
to me, you know, which is like, generally does a, does a movie feel like it has direction and is intentional and has a color palette and, and, you know, is directed and not an accident. And, and, um, are the, you know, and I might, are we, are we delivering on what the script, you know, promised and all that stuff. And then at the same time, like, is it effective? If it's, if it's just like technically sound, no one will care. When you look back at, this experience, especially on set, what was the hardest day? Was it from the actor point of view or is it from a directing point of view? I'd say every day of this production was pretty hard, but, but, um, there was, you know, we got, we lost a day because of weather, like, uh, there was like this rain and it, it blocked the, the le water levels rose that we couldn't get to the bayou that we were shooting at. So we lost a day. So, you know, you have to truncate stuff. So we were under some time pressure and there was this, you know, there's a scene where, you know, uh, we're trying to get all this stuff and I'm on a motorcycle and I'm trying to, you know, and, and it's raining on me and the, the, the water that we were, you know, a reservoir that we we're using was from the actual, like, bite, and it was absolutely freezing. So basically I was getting, the water was so cold that I was getting brain freeze. Um, but we didn't have time to try to warm it up or like, you know, it just had to go. So I, my hands, I can't feel my hands and I'm trying to like rev this motorcycle. It's quite dangerous. And, and, you know, I'm trying to have control of this motorcycle. And then we have a stunt guy who's also having trouble. That day was quite difficult, you know, and it was nighttime, you know, and there's visibility issues and, you know, the lighting, you know, to adjust it, like it's a, it's a condor. So it takes time to move. And all those factors were quite difficult in that moment. Um, you know, and, and the whole limit of time was, was, challenging um the amount of stuff that we had to get at that bayou was was really hard in terms of how limited we were um you know and and uh the error of margin was so small already as it was because it's 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 not like a, this big budget film um so uh that i think though that that particular day was was probably one of, one of the most challenging oh and then in the party the vietnamese party by the end of it i was just you know, moving stuff myself and, and, you know, cheating stuff, moving people around because we just ran out of time. Like we only had that house for really like a day, you know? So like wow. I was trying to get, a, yeah, a day and a half. I don't know what it was. I forget, but like by the end of it, I was like hauling ass, you know, and we also had to get Alicia singing and want to get that right. You know, it was, um, on some movies that you just get to sing, you know, the party would be three nights and you'd film the singing one night and you'd film like the, the first half of the party one day. And I mean, so you, that was all in like a day. Yeah. And you're right. You're, you know, like I said, you're right in the lightning and I want to get this at the, the outdoor, the party and golden hour. And, you know, you have a window there and you're trying to time all of that. You know, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of know. times where I'm watching the natural light and I'm like, they nailed that. <laughs> like, how did they get that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So without getting any spoilers, I'm not going to talk, you know, I don't want to share the end of it, but did, was that a day? Did, was that, that final scene? Was that one day? That's one day. Unbelievable, yeah. man. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, like we're just going to need like two more hours to discuss this and we don't have it. So, um, <laughs> that's, I can't, I can't believe that. So I can't wait for the, the listeners to see this movie and imagine that last scene one day. So. What do you want people to feel when they leave the theater and they see this movie? What is the thing you want them to feel when they walk away? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, just like you're saying in the beginning, you know, it, 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 it does all these things 
And I think the reason why it's so emotional is because there is, you know, and, and, you know, like we were at Ken and, and, you know, you get the reviews and, and some people feel, you know, it's, it can be dramatic at times. Well, that's intentional because the whole purpose of this is I want people to feel something and I want people to, 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 to just align themselves with somebody who's actually going through something like this. So it's intentional that they're, they're supposed to feel, you know, it's not supposed to be just slice of life, you know, and I, I want people to walk away. You know, I don't want to let people off the hook and I want people to walk away from this film and think, think twice, you know, they could be laying in bed and think twice about these characters. What happened to Antonio? You know, like what happened to Kathy? You know, like how did they end up? Like, did they end up, you know, like what happened with them? And, and, you know, uh, I want those there to be questions and to think twice because then I think you think twice about this issue, which is this is happening to real people and it doesn't let them off the hook. I think if the ending is tied up into a neat bow, it lets people kind of forget about it, you know, and they can go about their lives and just kind of like, Oh, that was cute or, you know, but that's not real life. And I think that, you know, talking to, to, to real adoptees that have been deported that I've screened this film for, they're very appreciative of that aspect of the ending of this film because they feel it's, it represents what it really feels like for their experiences. And that's the most important thing to, for me because I made this film for them. I love it. I have one last question for you. Um, what's your comfort food when you're having a bad day and you're just thinking about like, I can't wait to get home and make this. What, what is your comfort food? Pasta with a stick of butter. I just melt a stick of butter. I like basically I'll boil the pasta, I'll melt, melt stick of butter in a pan. Uh, and then I'll take the, 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 all the pasta and just throw it in the pan of butter. And then, and then I'll make the sauce on the side and I'll just use a shitload of like chili flakes and just like destroy my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I, um, I wish you the best of luck. This has been such an amazing conversation. I still have so many more questions, but I will, I will listen to every interview you do to, to, to uncover all the answers. So I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy dude. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Bye. I'll include a link to the trailer in the show notes as well as a link to the official Blue Bayou website. You can follow Justin Chon on Instagram at Justin Chon, C-H-O-N. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram as well at the Smith Society Pod. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You're awesome.